Al Jazeera podcast. No, Frank Sinatra isn't back from the beyond. But thanks to artificial intelligence, you can now enjoy Lady Gaga's bad romance, Bio Blue Eyes. AI is no longer a tech fantasy of the future. Especially in the music world. Your next favorite song may just be created by AI. A song that would have taken years to make can now be generated in just a few minutes using artificial intelligence. Music professionals are already raising ethical and legal questions about this trend. It feels weird to me to grapple with who owns the sound of my voice. So, if AI is the future of music, how is the music industry reacting? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm Ben Camp. I am an associate professor of songwriting at Berklee College of Music. Ben's also an AI enthusiast, a songwriter. And producer uh, for about ooh, 20 years of working in the music industry now. And we asked for some samples. So, Ben, you created an AI jingle for The Take, first of all. <laughs> that is very cool. And thank you very much. But the thing is, you did it in minutes. So, first of all, I want us to all have a listen to it. Tuning into the take, a world unfolds. Stories of AI and music boldly told. With Malika's voice, the journey begins. In a world where digital melody spins. <laughs> it's catchy. It's catchy. I can see myself humming it later. How did you do it? What went into this? A lot went into this, but as far as my end, it was incredibly easy. I hopped onto a Discord of a company called Suno, and they have a bot running called Chirp. So you just type Chirp, and then it asks you three questions. What style do you want the music in? What do you want the lyrics to be? And if you don't have lyrics, what do you want them to be about? And it'll generate them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Making songwriting sound very easy. Is this the first thing that popped out, or did you have to tweak it? That took me two, three minutes of, I think I had to generate five lyrics, and I was like, these four lines look great. Let's go with this. And it was specifically, I, one, one of your um, team members emailed me and said, we thought it was really cute that you had Malika's name in the in the song. And, uh, and pronounced correctly. Yeah. And I was like, this one's going to resonate more. Mm-hmm. So while all of the lyrics were generated by ChatGPT, the one that I chose was based on my knowledge of how humans work and they like to, you know, hear their own voices and whatnot. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I took that lyric and I said, what style do you want? I said, random. And then I put in the lyric and then I generated it. And I think it was 92 seconds that it took Wow. to come up with that full audio with the vocal performance and everything that you hear. <laughs> this is fascinating. So I love it because you're right. Humans like to hear their names, see that recognition. Um, It's not going to win any Grammys, but it's unique and innovative in its own way. Can you tell us why it is so cool? Why does it matter? Well, I think that the first thing to know is that this stuff is 
growing at an exponential rate. And something that doesn't sound like it could win a Grammy today, I would suspect within the next year to four years, the output of these models will be on par with Grammy-winning records. That wasn't an overstatement. AI is fast entering the entertainment industry, and Grammys has taken note of this. The The 2024 Grammys are allowing entries using AI, under the condition that the award would go to the human creator behind the work. So, Ben, you are a well-seasoned music producer and creator. Um, You have more than 100 million streams across multiple platforms, created music for shows on NBC, CBS, HBO, Fox... So you are at the forefront of this brave new world with AI and music. How are you using these tools in your music production? I'm using them with every chance that I can. I have not gotten as much into using it for musical generation. I've played around with it a little bit, but the tech is not there to the point where I'm excited about the musical outputs as much. Um, And also, the music is like really fun for me. So that's something that I'd be less likely to like, hey, AI, generate this for me because like I'm going to have fun generating it. Um, I also see students who are super excited. I had a student who did a song. It was a great song, but it, they had written it in a way that the lyrics, it was one person singing, but the lyrics implied that there were two people singing. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, could you maybe revise this? And I showed him this tool. He came back. The next week with a duet between him and Ariana Grande. And it sounded amazing. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. And he was hyped about it. He's like, yeah, I'm down to use this. And we discussed. Yeah, but you can't just use this, right? This is Ariana Grande. There's legal and ethical implications. So I want to talk about the controversies. Um, And to do that, I want to play a song that broke the internet, so to speak. Um, this is a little clip of it. Have a listen to this. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about why it broke the internet. It got millions of plays on YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, and more before it was removed. It's called Heart on My Sleeve, and it's using what would be considered the voices of Drake and The Weeknd. But spoiler alert, they never sang these lyrics. A new so-called Drake track has just dropped. The good news, it includes a guest spot with The Weeknd. But the bad news is it's not really them. First it was auto two, now it's artificial intelligence. So how is a song like this created and what is your take on it? As far as I know, the lyrics were written by humans. And they were performed by humans. And then through a process called style transfer, or in this case, specifically, realistic voice cloning, or RVC, Drake's voice and The Weeknd's voice were mapped over the voices of existing humans. An anonymous artist by the name of Ghostwriter created the song and then had AI generate the sound of the artist's voices for it. So this is kind of like finger painting with somebody else's gloves. Hmm. Um, we're entering a really difficult zone as far as ethics and legality and own, like, who owns Drake's voice? 
does Drake own Drake's voice? If a record label wants to train an AI based on master recordings that they own of Drake, can they do that? Do they need to get Drake's permission? Mm-hmm. Google, working with YouTube, has just released a new tool called DreamTrack. YouTube have developed this technology. Uh, you can type in something that you want to create, and then nine artists who've signed up to this AI technique will then sing it for you. Can we play? They've got gotten play artists to agree to let their voices be used. The only two that I know are Charlie Puth and T-Pain. But if you're in this test program, you can type in what you want a song about and who you want to sing it, and you'll get an authorized use of Charlie Puth's voice. We don't talk anymore like we used to do. Or T-Pain's voice. singing you a personal song about your dog's birthday. Wow. Oh my gosh. And and okay, so what did they get out of it? They get the royalties? What What's in it for the artists? There's sort of two layers to this, right? So the first layer is whose voice are they using and do they have the permission to use it? And for that, I'm sure that they've compensated Charlie Puth, they've compensated T-Pain. Then there's a whole other layer of these melodies that are being generated that Charlie Puth or T-Pain are singing. Where did the AI learn to write melodies like that? Mm. It was probably trained on a data set of popular music that you and I listen to. The question with that is, did those artists get paid? Mm -hmm. Those are likely not people that signed off agreements the way that Charlie Puth and T-Pain did. After the break, is AI diminishing the human touch in music? Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI, and I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. So, Ben, you gave us the example of T-Pain and Charlie Puth agreeing to have their voices used. There's also another example that might be a best-case scenario here, and that is the artist Grimes. She's licensed her voice for use, which means theoretically she should get paid for AI-generated music that uses her voice. We've created a voice emulator that uses AI. So if you sang into it and you sang like, la, 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 transform, it would be my voice. And so what we're doing is we are letting kids basically make music, use my voice. We're open source in Grimes. We are not punishing them for distributing that music. Um, And in some cases, if they do it through us, we can collect royalties for them. But then that opens up all these other scenarios where artists who aren't as well known as Grimes might have their own rights to their voices in jeopardy um, because they can be ripped and used just like Drake's and The Weeknd's were. What's being done to protect artists that aren't at the level of Drake and The Weeknd, whose label can come after these creators? It's really messy right now, but I see two directions where this is heading. Number one is um, the regulated and licensed space. So that means if you're going to upload a song to Spotify, it's going to have to go through some verification process Mm. to authorize that the voice that's being used was approved by the artist. And 
those artists are likely going to get a cut of income from it, the way that Grimes is demanding a cut of income. That's one side of the coin. The other side is that we're going to be dealing with open source models. And we already are dealing with open source models. You can download a model and run it on your laptop and clone whoever you want and put it out. And it would not be surprising to me if there became a whole underground movement of bootlegged fake artist songs. Wow. Mm. And I, I also, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the moment when somebody does a Beyonce deep fake mm-hmm. and it blows up so big that Beyonce chooses to perform it at one of her concerts. No. So Ben, on the flip side of this, we are looking at all kinds of industries that are potentially losing jobs to AI my own, for example, in the journalism industry. And now those questions are coming for the music industry. So if and when that does happen, what does it mean for the human touch in music? Do we lose something? I think that there will always be a desire for human connection. And it will always be the case that somebody wants to, I want to go to a physical place and see somebody pick up a physical instrument and play and sing with their voice and know that I am part of this experience with them. I don't think that's going to disappear entirely. Hmm. I do think that the monetization of that is going to get squeezed into niche markets. Hmm. And I wonder, in an age where every fan of Taylor Swift has their own individual clone of Taylor Swift that they can have one-on-one conversations with and who is writing personal songs about their life and their timeline, Mm. what's going to happen when you have 50,000 of those fans show up at a concert and they've all been listening to different Taylor Swift songs? Will there be that unified experience? Oh, my gosh. Will everybody be able to sing back the single? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was actually just going to to raise the phenomenon that is Taylor Swift times 2023 person of the year. And one of the things that her fans say really draws them to her is her excellent, phenomenal songwriting skills. She um, is talking almost directly to her audience because it's real and raw and it's something that can only happen when it's the person themselves that experienced those things, penning them to paper and then singing them out loud. So in this future scenario where a Taylor Swift fan might have their individualized lyrics um, tailored to them, no pun intended there, do we still get that same feeling? Do we still get that same um, connection I don't think you get the same feeling, but I think that you get higher engagement. You will get a different experience, but you will get one that is more targeted towards your dopamine receptors or, you know, like oh, wow. it's it's just going to be laser focused. The algorithms are really good at getting laser focused attention and keeping it. Ben, as we're talking, there's a slight smile in your voice. Does any of this scare you or are you completely 100% on board? <sighs> a lot of this scares me. So my biggest concern, a human is never going to beat an AI in chess anymore. When we reach artificial general intelligence, meaning that an AI can do everything better than humans, um, we're facing existential risks. And that is a bit terrifying. 
And there's yet another layer to this concern. Capitol Records cut ties with Evan Mecca, a cyborg rapper, after being accused of, quote, digital blackface and stereotyping. Two non-Black executives were running the company behind the artist. After the digital MC FN Mecca, rep by Capitol Records, went viral using a hip-hop caricature and even the N-word, organization Industry Blackout released a statement. They called the project an abomination and disrespectful. Especially Other artists, like Nanuri, have sparked controversy as well. A fashion model with over 400,000 followers on Instagram, Nanuri became the first AI pop star to sign a deal with Warner Music. Ben says a downside here is that every hour listening to Nunuri is an hour not listening to a human. I think if you're going to have a never-aging, always-relevant pop star with almost no overhead costs, I can't imagine any industry that would not want to monetize that as quick and effectively as possible. So it could, you know, be promoting unhealthy body images unrealistic body images for fans to reach up to. Despite the problems, the combination of AI and music does come with some promises. It raises the floor on what every human being is capable of creating. Art, music, video, etc. Pretty soon, we will democratize access to music generation, and anybody will be able to generate the music of their dreams. And that excites me. I think we're also heading into a world where this is being, it's already being used. And so anybody not using it is necessarily going to fall behind. It's a bell curve, Um, at least in my bubble. There are students and teachers with pitchforks. saying, get this out of here. We don't want any anything to do with it. And as teachers, we want to teach our students critical thinking skills. But I don't think that we do that by telling them, get away from AI, it's scary. I think that we do that by saying, here's what can go wrong with AI. Here's what you have to be vigilant for. Ben, thank you so much for this conversation. I am equal parts intrigued and excited and also nervous. So um, I think you nailed it. That's my takeaway. Um, I'm also intrigued, <laughs> excited, and nervous, mm-hmm. but I I know that if I don't make use of it, somebody else will. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying not to let my nervousness keep me from exploring the potential of this, mm-hmm. and also keeping a mind open for how to do this responsibly and ethically. And that's the take. This episode was produced by Srijan Pandey and Sariel Khalili, with Sonia Bagat, Khaled Sultan, David Enders, Amy Walters, Chloe K. Lee, Ashish Malhotra, Veronisa Campana, Miranda Lynn, Zaina Badr, Nagin Oliayi, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Joe Plord mixed this episode. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs> 